Good evening, everybody. This is Matthew with Don't Unfriend Me. And I'm a little under the weather, but I'm going to fight through it. Whole family's not feeling too good. A tough day. And uh, got a couple naps in. But overall, got some work done and now doing the show. So if my energy level or I seem tired, you're right. They're both low. Wednesday, December 30th, episode 73. Exciting stuff coming around. Uh, we're about ready to wrap up season one, and I've got some exciting news that I'm going to do right away. Uh, but first, let's talk about what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about illegal immigrants being allowed to have a driver's license in the state of Virginia. We're going to talk a little bit about Iran getting froggy and us slapping them down, and terrorist groups in the Middle East forming a coalition, so to speak, against Israel. Interesting show tonight. It's going to be fun. And in lieu of that, a little story to tell you, as always, because I love to tell stories. A minister, a priest, and a rabbit all walk into a bar. And the rabbit looks around and says, I think I might be a typo. you can hear that. And I did that coming to America voice. Well, Eddie Murphy, what a, what an amazing talent uh, coming to America too is coming out. No, I'm not being paid the big bucks. I wish I were, but I'm not, uh, but I'm excited for that movie. It's, it should be fun. Remakes aren't my thing. I'm glad they kept to the original cast and we'll see how it goes. I number twos don't necessarily follow empire strikes back, which is the greatest number two of any uh, series. And you can say Terminator two judgment day was fantastic. Blah, blah, blah. Empire is the greatest movie of all time. And it's not one of my favorites, but it has everything. We'll talk about that some other time. Folks, who am I? My name is Matt with Don't Unfriend Me. And if you are looking automatically to get some more, or if this is your first time here, all of that's acceptable. You can stop by Facebook. And when you do, make sure you like and follow. Say hi. This is the main hub of the Don't Unfriend Me nation. And we all spend our time here. You can catch most of my videos and my podcasts here, along with updates. You can also go ahead and find it on Instagram. We give you some pictures, some photos, some behind the scenes. And then lastly, on YouTube, where most of my high def and catalog are. Please follow, like, share, subscribe. Give me some hearts, love, whatever you want to do. Just at least let me know you're out there. That's important. So tonight, there's some interesting things. I want to make an announcement right off the bat. And no, it's not my wonderful rabbit voice. It is the season one is almost over. This is the second to last episode. Tomorrow will be the last episode. And I, you all know I've been thinking about this. I've taken some time. I've put some money into this. I've gotten some feedback some, from some very important people in my life. And so far, people say it's good. And the advertising really hasn't started. And I plan on doing that. And I might look for getting some people on here who want to sponsor some things and start slow, but ultimately we've got a great band in still point that do some great music. We've got a great designer. The content isn't drying up. I've got the best fans in the world. And even though they're not Dave Portnoy stoolies, I have my dummies and anyone who watches the show is a dummy. So I think I am happy and proud to announce, and this is an interesting story is that 
you, my season one cover, if you haven't had a chance to see it, if you listen to the podcast, I'm sure you have. And if you are on Instagram, you can also see the cover. And this is what it looks like. Pretty simple. It just has the episode and everything else. And it doesn't even say season one on it. So it's kind of the inaugural test. But I was looking at getting a cover done professionally from someone. So I reached out to a few graphic designers and artists. And all of them wanted $75, $200, $500, whatever it was. And I'm sure they're all worth it. But I said, I have a daughter. And she is just amazing at what she does. And I can challenge her and tell her what I want, and hopefully she'll come up with something. And that's just what she did. Tonight, I'm excited to announce season two will happen of Don't Unfriend Me. And I know it's not Netflix. And no, it's not dropping all at once because that just there's not that many hours in the day. But we're excited to announce season two. And here's the cover. Hayden spent probably about maybe 30 minutes on this. And you can see it's got everything from the dummies, the logo, the Punisher symbols, the coffee cup she gave me, the Facebook likes, the don't tread, the Texas flag, dog tags, a gun in my mouth, and a rendition of her father. And it's nice to see that she got the ratio to proportion to the mouth and my head correct. Folks, this is officially the season two cover art on the podcast and on Instagram. And I hope you enjoy it. And I'm excited to announce season two. We're going to have some fun next year. As long as I don't die of whatever I've got today. Again, this is Don't Unfriend Me. What do we do here? Well, I think you've got an idea already. We talk about politics, current events, and just about anything, movies, sports, whatever. And I'm just excited that you're here. And trust me, some days you'll want to listen to what I have to say. And other days you'll want to throw a shoe at the screen. All I ask is that you don't unfriend me. Let's get into it tonight. And there's some interesting news that I want to talk to you about. And mainly, uh, it has a lot to do with the Middle East tonight. There were 12 terrorist groups that are recognized as the United States as terrorists in the Middle East. And there are plenty of terrorist groups. There's over 100 of them across the United States or across the world that the United States recognizes. But these 12 have done something they've never done before. There has always been infighting amongst terrorist groups for funding, for land, for oil, and overall notoriety. But in this case, these 12 groups have decided to come together for their war against Israel. We knew this would happen. The moment peace was even begin to be talked about, you would have people put their feelings aside in rivalries between Shiites, Sunnis, and Muslims and say, we don't care who we are. We are in the Middle East, and we are one people, at least for now, and the infidels, the Jews, and the Americans need to be wiped off the earth. Well, this is what they've done. The 12 Palestinian groups participated Tuesday in an unprecedented joint drill in Gaza which saw the U.S., uh, the use of drones and the firing of several rockets into the Mediterranean as a warning to Israel. Some of the participating organizations, according to the media line, included Hamas, the Palestinian Islamic Jihad, the Popular Front of the Libertarian Palestine, the PFLP, and the Al-Aqsa Martyrs Brigade, all U.S.-designated terrorist groups. The thing about this that we need to understand is that it's not going to be the United States that's going to hurt. It's not going to be uh, any of our, of our allies except for Israel. The rockets will continue to be launched in Israel. The Iron Dome will do its job and hopefully intercept most of them. But what happens when you have 12 different groups coming together, and I hope they don't watch this, is they are easier to kill. We've already destroyed Al-Qaeda and ISIS, and yes, there are fragments all over the Middle East, and Europe, but that doesn't mean anything. The command and control is, event, is essentially dead. 
and we've wiped them off the face of the earth. Their funding is dried up, and they have no ability to organize in a massive scale. But these 12 groups now are going to join efforts, leave trails, go ahead and have monies that's able to be tracked, locations. We have assets in place inside some of these groups. And when you bring this many people together, eventually it just creates a bigger target for our drones to hit. The real question isn't, are they going to be easier to kill? The question is, does anyone have the guts once Donald Trump leaves office to do it? You have to give Obama one thing is that he indiscriminately killed people with drones and did almost 284 strikes during his reign. He had no problem killing people with a drone, even Americans. Donald Trump was actually more effective by putting boots on the ground, which is what it takes to get them out of the caves and out of the rural areas and out of the suburbs that are densely populated with people who all look alike from a I'm here, I live here perspective, not from a skin color. It's hard to figure out what an ideology is in a person without interrogation and without any proof of burden or burden of proof. The whole point about Islamic extremists is that they're very hard to dig out and root out without intel and people on the ground. Alas, this is what Donald Trump understood. He took the leash off the military and they whooped ass. I don't think Joe Biden has the guts for it, and I don't think he will put boots on the ground. He will embolden terrorists. He will appease Iran by giving them pallets full of cash, reinstate the Iran nuclear deal, which will insurge everyone in the Middle East who is not Israel against Israel. And that is the worst mistake Joe Biden can make because we finally are getting a United Nation type experience in the Middle East, and it's what need is needed. Now, we're choosing the lesser of evils, and Israel is not perfect, and the Palestinians aren't perfect, and nobody is free of blood on their hands in the world today. But if we're going to choose the devil, we may as well go with the devil that we know, which is Israel, and they are the toughest and baddest devil in the Middle East. Speaking of tough, the DMV, this is funny. This is actually my DMV that I go to and I just recently went to to get my car registered and to get my driver's license, and I waited nine months to do it. Let me repeat that again. With COVID in the air, nine months is what it took for me to get my driver's license from California. The first time, they told me my birth certificate wasn't valid, and that's funny because it's been valid for 46 years. I don't know what happened, but I guess it wasn't. So I had to email and wait and snail mail to California to wait another three months to get a legitimate one. And then when I showed up again, they told me I had to have a secondary form of ID. Even though I had a military ID, a previous driver's license, my mortgage payment, my gas bill, photo IDs from college, and basically my DNA, nothing worked. So I waited another three months because the appointments were pushed out that far and versus saying, just go home and get it and come back. No, no, you have to wait three months. The DMV is an absolute suckhole. It is the worst place on the planet. And the reason why is because it's run by the government and anything run by the government, including the post office, sucks as well. The government is never an answer. And to have something as important as the DMV when everybody owns a, a vehicle, whether they need to or not, it's going to get busy And their system of take a number is the worst that you've ever seen. Why they don't allow you to pre-qualify and pre-check and send documents over the 
digital airwaves and internet. I don't understand that as well. Why do we have to go in, say that we're wrong, and then go home? Why can't we send you copies of what we have and start getting with the digital times? But alas, I digress. The DMV couldn't find their butt with two hands, and it doesn't get any better today as Virginia continues to trample on the Constitution and continue to trample on the Constitution of Virginia. Here's the thing. I moved to Virginia because I was leaving Houston, Texas, and I found freedom in Texas, and I will always be a Texan by heart. I fled California because of the gun laws and the unfair practices and the imposition of tyrannical rule in California. When I left Houston, I was worried that this would happen, but I came to Virginia with a don't tread on me flag, and I knew that this was going to be okay. I was wrong. This is now a blue state, and it's so blue that only a few cities, just like California, run the entire state, and everybody hates the people in the cities. Why? Because most of us are Republican, or at least moderate, down the center in the rural areas of Virginia, and we haven't lost our freaking minds. Illegal immigrants can now begin applying for legal driving permits in Virginia on the first day of the new year, according to the State Department of Motor Vehicles. The state is the first southern state to allow people staying in the U.S. illegally to apply for such driver privilege cards. Did they just call us racist? It sounds like it. The first southern state. Oh, well, why, why dignify that? Virginia is hardly south. I understand it's recognized as a southern state, but it's hardly south. Can we at least not deep south? Houston is more deep south than Virginia. You are inadvertently calling Virginia racist, and that's fine. We'll take the card. I'll take the card when I say the things I'm going to say tonight. I mean, even on my intro ad for tonight's show, it says Speedy Gonzalez, in which hopefully people have a sense of humor. Roughly 300,000 illegal immigrants in the state are expected to apply for the permits, according to the Washington Post. Here's a statement made by one of the financial analysts and the fiscal analysts for the Commonwealth of Virginia. And this person should be flogged, tarred, feathered, and thrown off and quartered. One of the largest, how about just 10-foot elevated platforms into a bunch of of, of nails, glass, and thorns, and poured lemon juice all over them. I don't want them to die. I just want them to experience a lot of pain so we can beat the stupid out of them. Here it is. It makes our families and communities safer. Safer from being unfairly caught up in the criminal justice system and deportation pipeline for just trying to get to church or a child's school and safer from being on the roads with unlicensed drivers. Laura Gorin, Research Director of the Commonwealth Institute of Fiscal Analysis. Miss Gorin, I was raised to be respectful of women, but you are by far the... Oh, I gotta be careful. Be nice, Matt. Be nice. Okay. You're dumb as dog shit. I hope that's better, because what I was gonna say was worse. What an asinine, completely devoid of any intellectual thought is that statement. First of all, we're not putting them in the deportation pipeline because they're going to church or because they're driving a car or because they're not effectively eating at the right place or saying the right things or the right skin color. We're deporting them because they're illegal and they have broken the law. Let me say that again. They have broken the law. They are criminals. Now, I understand 
that we're a nation and a, a country of immigrants. And so am I. I'm only three removed. But there was a difference coming in on Paris Island. There was a difference coming in off the Mexico border when I was a kid. I lived in Ventura, California. My father was a golf pro up in Ojai and also worked in supply and purchasing. And I can tell you there were five to six amigos that worked specifically under my father. And my dad called them the amigos, and all of them were illegal. And there was about 30 that worked on maintenance and golf carts and painting, and they were all friends, and they called me Mateo. And I loved and adored them. They're great people. And I learned some of the greatest food in the world comes from Mexico, and some of the hardest workers come from Mexico. So I am all about legal immigration. And all of these people worked with my father to get work visas and came here legally and then stayed. Ricardo was a family friend, stayed in my house, ate our food, and was a great, great, and is a great man. I don't have a problem with immigrants. I have a problem with illegal immigrants. And everyone seems to forget the word illegal. I don't like illegal robbers either. I don't like illegal rapists. Because both words are indicative of breaking the law. And an immigrant is not. But an illegal immigrant is. So you can't just drop the word. A rapist is a rapist. A drug addict is a drug addict. A burglar is a burglar. But an immigrant is not any of those things and certainly not breaking the law. But an illegal immigrant is and does. So they are being deported because they earn the right to be deported and they should go back and wait in line. That is the rule. And we allow 1 million immigrants to come in per year. And if anyone wants that to change, then we must vote on it and we must represent the people and the will of the people. But that isn't going to change because we allow them to have driver's licenses and we start allowing them to matriculate into society and make them harder to catch. Because if you think if Donald Trump was in a second term that he wouldn't put ICE agents in front of every DMV in Virginia and deport every one of these people, he would and should. But what we're doing is empowering people. We're putting more people on the roads. We're congesting Virginia more than it already is. We are taking jobs away, especially now with coronavirus, where every job is necessary and needed. And we are creating a national security risk by allowing people to stay who are not here legally. Now, not all, but some are criminals. Some have broken the law. And when we allow them to have a driver's license and put them on the road, we are creating a danger for my state because I've seen it in California, I saw it in Texas, and you'll be damn sure I saw it in Phoenix and New Mexico. Enough's enough. Virginia, wake up. The last line of this, which also makes me want to just punch myself in the face, of course there will always be those risks that each person, person needs to take into account before applying for a driver privilege card. Edgar Aranda Yanok says, The lead organizer of the Immigration Advocacy Program for the Legal Aid Justice Center told the Times-Dispatch, That's why it's our goal as activists to secure those privacy protections and completely close the window that could give ICE access to this information in the upcoming General Assembly session. They're already saying they're going to create sanctuary cities and not allow ICE to come in and arrest these immigrants, and deport them back to their aforementioned country. Here's what they need and only what they need. $50. They are a non-U.S. citizen who is a resident of Virginia. 
a non-U.S. citizen who is a resident of Virginia. It makes no sense. How can you be a resident of Virginia if you are a criminal? You should be a resident of the state, not a resident of the city, not as a person living here residentially, but you should be in jail. And then you will have ownership of the state until you're deported out. But sitting here and making this, they're just completely forgetting the largest part of this equation is that you have no right to a driver's license. You have no right to any of the freedoms of Americans unless you are in a port of entry and then you have the right until it is decided that you can stay or you can go. You have reported income from Virginia sources, Virginia sources. So taxes aren't necessarily required. You just have to get a receipt so you can be paid for with cash under the table. How is that going to work with landscaping, Home Depot contractors? This is the whole thing we're trying to avoid. Or a claimed as dependent on a tax return filed in Virginia in the past 12 months. Your driving privilege is not currently suspended or revoked in Virginia or any other state to include insurance-related infractions. You need two proofs of identity. Two proofs of Virginia residency, which is a bill and another bill. Proof of your social security number if you have been issued one or your individual taxpayer identification number, the EIN, which can be picked up for about $7 and about two minutes of your time online or tax return documentation. So essentially, I have to have two proofs of ID, my previous driver's license, military history, DD-214, a valid birth certificate in the United States, and proof of residency in the state of Virginia. And an illegal immigrant has to have two bills? This is the problem. Why is it harder for Americans to get an ID than it is somebody who doesn't even live here? Virginia, you're pissing me off, and I'm sick and tired of it, and I'm tired and sick. Well, we already talked about that. B-52s, what is going on with Iran? What is happening? You remember a few, I don't know, weeks ago, I talked about Iran on a live show. I don't know if I have the link, but I'll see if I do, and I'll link it to you that Iran was the largest threat to the United States right now because China doesn't care. China cares about us economically. They will continue to subvert our elections. They will buy up our debt, and they will put economic pressure upon us, and they will continue to do electronic warfare against us. That is how the war against China will go, and it's been that way for the last 10 years. However, Iran only understands one thing, military power, and they are in the process of losing the ground war against their own populace. And the Iranian people are ready to rise up and they are going to take the Ayatollah and the oppressive rule Iran to task. And once that happens, the interesting thing will be, what will the U.S. do? Well, the U.S. has already shown that. They're helping. They're running a proxy disinformation campaign in Iran, sending in iPods and iPhones and dropping them by shoot. They're sending in pamphlets and having people come in and preach about the United States and the democracy and a form of a constitution for the Iranian people and how to dethrone the government and how to go ahead and create resistance inside their country. All of these things are being propagated by the United States, just like we've been doing forever and just like states try to do to us. 
But when someone interferes in our election, it's wrong. But we can do it all we want because we're the United States and we know best. Big Brother knows best, folks. But here's the thing, is that this is an interesting piece because I know what's happening here, and I want to just read it to you. An Iranian-backed Shiite militia group carried out a rocket attack last week on the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad, prompting a stern warning from President Trump, which basically said, if you kill an American, we're going to escalate times 10. It's similar to what he always says. But here's the funny thing, is... You may not know this, but there's a little island south of India called Diego Garcia. It is owned by the United States. It's about 30 miles wide. It's very, very thin. It's flat, and it's got a strip on there, a strip that can carry and launch bombers from B-2s to B-52 stratofortresses and even some small squadrons of aircraft, F-22 Raptors, F-35s, blah, 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 blah. But it would be very easy to launch them from Diego Garcia, which is only a few hours from intended target near Iran. But this is what's cool about what Donald Trump did, and it's a way to say, you may get our bombers in Diego Garcia, you may get them out of Germany, but you're not getting them out of Minot, North Dakota, and you're not going to get them out of anywhere else in the United States as well. This is one year after Qassam Soleimani's killing, and we all know this, and the Iranians are puffing up like bantam roosters to try to send a message to the United States, as they always do. But these B-52s flew 30 hours from Minot, North Dakota, had a refueling in the air just to let the Middle East know that we're not messing around. And if you do happen to pick up the ones in Diego or Germany, you're not picking up the other seven locations where we will hit you from all sides. Iran got the message, I'm sure, because they've already started backpedaling. Earlier this month, a pair of B-52s from Barksdale Air Force Base in Louisiana flew there, which is another message. This presence mission over the Persian Gulf is another show of strength, and that's all it is. But it's a show of not only a little bit of bicep, but chest, back, thighs, abs, and every other muscle in your body. The U.S. Navy announced on December 22nd that a nuclear-powered submarine, as you all remember, this is when I told you they were going to move into the Gulf. Well, now we're acknowledging it. The USS Georgia entered the Straits of Hormuz, a strategic waterway between Iran and the Arabian Peninsula. And the one thing Iran has is the Straits of Hormuz, and it stops uh, a lot of people from moving in on Iran from a water-based attack. Well, when you put a submarine in there, that submarine will wreak havoc all day on the Iranian Navy, and there is nothing they can do about it. Because their anti-sub warfare is atrocious, and they don't have P-3s, and they don't have E-2s, and any sub-killers. And they can literally just fire their load and go and reload on a carrier or another sub-base within the region, and come back and do it again. Iran, you don't want to mess with the United States. We may not be able to enter your country and get through your IADs, but we will sink your navy. And if we do that, then you are open game in the Straits of Hormuz for any country that decides that they don't want to tolerate your crap anymore. You better watch out. You better not cry or you're going to get slapped with a dinky in the eye. Lastly, folks, I want to go ahead and talk to you about our veteran focus. It's been gone for a few days, but it's important to me to bring it back and always talk about our veterans, which I do with the Veteran Crisis Hotline. And I want to talk to you about a very special vet. This gentleman won eight Purple Hearts, which means he was injured in battle. Eight Purple Hearts and the Medal of Honor. Staff Sergeant Joe Hooper, uh, 2nd Battalion, 501st Infantry, 101st Airborne Division, stands out for many reasons. During the 1968 Battle of Hugh, 
During the Vietnam War, Staff Sergeant Hooper and his soldiers swam across the river to engage enemy fighting positions on the opposite bank. Hooper single-handedly destroyed multiple enemy bunkers and engaged North Vietnamese soldiers while wounded. For his service, the U.S. Army also awarded Hooper two silver stars, six bronze stars, eight purple hearts, the Presidential Unit Citation, the Vietnam Service Medal with six campaign stars, six! I think it doesn't even hold six. And the Combat Infantry Badge, well, that's... He became one of the most decorated soldiers in the Vietnam War and was one of three soldiers wounded in action eight times in the war. The most amazing things about Congressional Medal of Honors winners, and I've met about 16 of them, is that no matter what your rank, you salute them, and their presence is announced on a ship. Even the President of the United States salutes uh, the Medal of Honor recipient, and everyone has to. Uh, I want to go ahead and commend this man for amazing bravery and bravery and having more salad than a sizzler salad bar. It's incredible. Folks, we are ending it with the veteran focus, but we'll also go out on one of the most important things, the Veteran Crisis Hotline, 1-800-273-8255-PRESS-1. Veterans commit suicide, 22 of them a day. It's way too many. The holidays, 24 to 25. Please reach out if you can't. There are veterans like myself and others in the show who would be more than happy to reach out to a veteran with you. And if that won't work, go to donutfriendly.com. We have a link to VCL where you will be connected to a Skype hotline free of charge if you click the button. Folks, thank you so much for spending some time with me today. I would really, really appreciate it if you would subscribe, like, and share. You can connect on YouTube right down there on that button. You can also head over to Facebook, Instagram, and everywhere else if you enjoyed the show. Thank you so much. I will see you tomorrow with a final 2020 celebration and goodbye to a year that can't end fast enough. Thanks, everybody.